everyone. Before Hello. last year's Halloween show, I warned you not to let your children watch, but you did anyway. Hmm. Well, this year's episode is even worse. It's scarier, it more violent, worse. and I think they snuck in some bad language too. Fuck so yeah, please, we did. Please tuck in your children and. Well, if you didn't listen to me last time, you're not going to now. Enjoy the show. That's right, everybody. This is the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast, and I can't believe it's been a year already, but we're back to our uh, Halloween special, our spooktacular. I am Mark, coming to you from the horrifying underground comic book dungeon. And uh, I can't believe it's been a year either, and this is... This is... Cruz, your field correspondent, coming to you from the comic book hotel room bathroom in fucking bumfuck Tennessee. All these facts are true. So, yeah. <laughs> would you like to tell us about your field correspondent? For the first time ever, we are recording in the same time zone. Yeah, Fuck. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was gearing up for our twelve thirty because you're. <laughs> I hadn't read the issue yet, and you're like, "Do you want to record it at seven? <laughs> well, I read the issue. I was taking a dump when I got to this hotel, which was appropriate. Well, you one must christen the hotel. I mean, every time I cross, I, I okay. So yeah, backstory. I have driven completely across the country, and every time I get to a new state, I piss somewhere within the state, within the first mile or two of the border. Um, so, yeah, I pissed in <clears throat> Arizona, New Mexico. I pissed a lot in Texas, uh, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and now Tennessee. So basically, the lower half of the country, um, with the exception of Florida, I have urinated and defecated across. This is my cross-country defecation tour. I think you're in the appropriate areas. Oh, no. A little further south in Atlanta was just fucking horrendous, man. I don't doubt that. How many Civil War uh, <laughs> statues have you seen? Uh, you know, um, I, I haven't really seen any. I have not done anything remotely fun except play Zelda on my Switch. Uh, I, 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 oh, wait. Oh, wait. Hold on. There was a highlight in Atlanta. We rented one of those electric scooters and zipped around uh, what once was the uh, Atlanta Braves Stadium. That sounds like fun. Uh, it was pretty entertaining. Talking about the Nintendo Switch, and it sounds like you've been uh, uh, putting yours to good use. Have you uh, played any of the old school Nintendo games now available uh, through the uh, online service? Oh, really? Yeah, there's 20 I, Nintendo games. Uh, yeah. It launched yet? Nope, it launched uh, last Tuesday. Okay, well, I, I don't even have a memory card in that thing yet. Yeah, it's, it's got internal uh, memory. That's true. I, I might have to give it a whirl. I mean, um, are we talking NES or SNES stuff? Uh, NES. It's Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers 3, Legend of Zelda, Ice Hockey, um, Ice Climber. I'm trying to remember what else. It's 20 of them. I might just give it a whirl. Um, actually, uh, 
my uh, my teammate and I, uh, my partner here, was uh, when we got to town, we had to do a pickup at a store, and in the small the store was in, there was a uh, uh, a game shop, and we saw that they lyingly said they had the uh, NES and SNES classics in stock, and I've been seriously thinking about just grabbing an SNES classic because it's great for our being on the road. Yeah. And spending a lot of time in hotel rooms, and it's got um, A Link to the Past, which is the one game I truly, truly regret never playing. My uh, my favorite Zelda and one of my favorite uh, uh, games of all time. Uh, and it's a lot of people's favorite game of all time, and I I never played it like a complete fucking asshat, and I kind of regret that. So I, I look at the SNES Classic as a means for me to correct that. Um. Something that you can do now that's maybe a little bit quicker and cheaper, because I I got rid of a couple of my older systems within the last couple of years because I had like a couple Nintendos and they just they don't look good on modern TVs. I'll just play on a laptop or have my laptop hooked up to the TV, and you can buy like I have a cable that lets me even hook up my original Nintendo controllers to a USB, or you can buy like a for like 10 or 12 bucks, like a Super Nintendo USB controller. And you can simulate the entire experience through an emulator with the original controller, and it's a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Uh, I, I play a lot of PS1 uh, ROMs at times on my phone, and I just have a, uh, a, a clip that clips my cell phone to my PS4 controller, and I do that a lot for uh, emulation as well. Yeah, that's that's an option. I just don't want to stress this freaking inch and a half laptop any more than I have to. Yeah, so you could take your your iPhone, and again, you can buy it's like an eight dollar clip and clip, say, your PS4 controller right to like a right to the uh, your your cell phone, and then use your your cell phone like a portable and just put Zelda on there. Cool. That is interesting. I yeah, guess I'm do that overall. We'll see. Um, I guess not the most Halloween-y of talk, but that's okay. Right, right. Well, <laughs> you know, podcast timelines and all that sometimes don't meet reality. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, kind of figure this out, guys. We're actually recording this one December of 2019, so the timelines <laughs> get a little skewed. So, <laughs> this joke is funny to us now, but since this is going into an archive where people in the next 10 years will be able to download it anytime, they won't understand that that's, it's funny because that's 14 months ahead of when this episode's actually going out. Uh, have yeah. you been... Uh, what's that? What have you been up to? Um, I've been editing uh, and... I have been reading a lot of comics. Um, I'd fallen off the wagon a little bit. And uh, the last three weeks, four weeks, I've read about 150-something comics to try to get caught back up. I finally read and finished uh, Secret Empire, which it's no secret on this podcast how critical I was of Civil War II. Civil War II is actually what kind of broke me on Marvel for a while because it was something like 180 issues uh, Secret Empire was actually very well written, very awesome, and it was a very felt 77 issues. So, I mean, it was <laughs> over before... Yeah, I mean, it's 
that's exactly what Marvel needs to do with their events. Less events and streamline the fuck out of them. So I'm glad right. I finally got through that. Did not end the way I thought it was going to. Wolverine is returning, and this last week, the return of Wolverine, issue one dropped, so I picked that up live, or, because I read a lot on comics, uh, or Marvel Unlimited, so I, it's only a few issues I actually still collect the, the them as they come out, They and since I, it doesn't seem like years ago it was the uh, death of Wolverine by Charles Soule, thought I would pick up the return to see how that uh, plays out. Big news, since we always seem to talk about Star Trek, do you know what came out from IDW this week? Uh, it's uh, Star Trek versus Transformers. Right. Yes, so might probably going to wait for that to go on sale and uh, pick up those issues. Okay, cool. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is that your way to segue the excellent into the Definitely not excellent issue of Bart Simpson's Treehouse of Horror. Uh, no, that was just me covering up that I had a Bluetooth glitch. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, uh, on my end, I have been, I, I have not read anything yet. Uh, I have uh, watched probably a full season or two of The Flash since I've been on the road. Um, yeah, uh, I've watched a bunch of Marvel movies. Because uh, my roommate's a fan of them. Uh, what else? Did you catch the Flash reference in this uh, this issue of Bart Simpson's Treehouse of Horror? Yes. Yeah, I I, I was uh, quite excited when I I saw that. That's actually my uh, Marvel forums, my the old Marvel forums screen name I have, and it's the name my screen name on all my accounts. But we will get there when we get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else have we done? Uh, we, we had to make a quick getaway from a sports bar. Why did you have to make a quick getaway from a sports bar? Well, okay, so like I've been suffering from this like fucking intolerable fucking ear infection this whole time. Um, but we found this little sports bar that had really bitchin' food and cheap beers. So we went there on a Thursday night and it was kind of dead. And, you know, we met a couple people, we shot a little bit of pool, had a good time. Uh, the next night, we go back on Friday night, and the place is fucking packed. And my ears just fucking throbbing. So I, I drink a beer, and I'm just kind of done with it. I just call uh, Mrs. Cruz on the on the phone, and I'm just chatting her up while I'm sitting in my work vehicle. My uh, partner in crime is still in the bar, you know, kind of chilling out, wings and doing his own thing, which is cool. Um, but I was probably out in the the... the work vehicle talking to the missus for about 45 minutes to an hour when uh, he comes jumping into the passenger seat and says, need to go now. <laughs> I'm like, what's up? He's like, that Jasper guy over there. And he said, yeah, he said, we need to leave within the next 15 minutes because shit's about to go down because half the guys at the pool area were freaking breaking into people's cars and stealing shit. And I'm like, well, okay. And the cops had just pulled in there. Everyone was out in the line and the like, brawl was about to happen. So we just kind of Get out of there. It's pretty interesting. Hey, Cruz. Yeah. This is how I define unwarranted. Yes. Uh, it was very unwarranted. So, yeah, that was that was our event, main eventful thing. Everything else has been pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I am under any retaining some of, all of the work. Yeah, um, 
You're you're coming in intermittently. Oh, I am sorry. Uh, let me adjust this a little bit. How is that? That is uh, that's a little bit better. Now, I got to okay. tell you, when uh, before you you hooked up your Bluetooth, when you were just on your uh, your laptop mic, you didn't sound bad at all. So if you have to default back to that, it was it was not a bad alternative. Okay, let me try this right quick. I will switch over my inputs. To, uh, can we do that? I guess we can do that on the air. I mean, we have the explicit tag. Play with your inputs. Right. Uh, I'm going to play with my inputs, all right? I'm going to play with my fucking inputs in your fucking stand there. I like it. Uh, I, setting. I, I don't think that we will. And <laughs> with the Me Too movement being what it is, I think that we should... Uh, uh, I don't think that you can tell me I have to sit there and like it. Oh, wait. It's got me on the default one. Hold on. How... How is that one better? Um, uh, kind of sounds like you're on speakerphone. Ah, uh, I hate Skype. I hate hotels. How's that one? That is good. That is excellent. Okay, we'll switch over to that one then. What is and, that one? Uh, that is the uh, the laptop mic, but I'm still outputting audio to the headset. I can't believe that is your your laptop mic because you sound great. It is a Realtek high-definition audio mic. I, I believe awesome that. sauce. I would believe it sauce is awesome. It sauce is awesome. So, yes. Um, but, yes, it's it's been a long journey, and I am anxiously ready to go the fuck home. Yes, this has been a, a long journey for you, and I, <laughs> I've heard a little bit of this as you've been on the road. Yeah, I think you need to get, get going home. Yes. My my wife, though, is very excited for when you, uh, she was talking about this today, uh, when you get to a point in your journey where our paths can intersect. I, I am hoping for something like that to occur. Um, I, I know uh, I get a week at home, and then when I come back out, uh, I'm going to start off in Alabama and I'm eventually heading to Oklahoma. I don't know if they're going to start cutting me north or what. Because, I mean, I am one team out of 20. So there are 20 other teams that are running around. Oh, my God. I just, oh, shit. Okay, so Atlanta. I, I'm sorry. I am freaking on a tangent. But Atlanta, I, I did not tell you this story. This was absolutely fucking disgusting. I can say this because this is about coworkers and not about our actual client. <laughs> so, uh, I, our HR gal is uh, an interesting lady, and uh, she calls me up because uh, immediately in California she said, "I think you'll do okay here. All these other fuckers are pieces of shit, basically." Uh, but she did say fuckers a lot. So, anyways, so she calls me up and she's like, "Hey, uh, Joel, hey, hey, I've got an adventure for you." I'm like, an adventure? She's like, yeah, are you and your partner up for it? I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. Apparently, one of the other teams abandoned one of their box trucks outside the Atlanta airport. Just abandoned it. The guy was running out of fuel. He just parked the truck, left it, walked walked to met his freaking partner somewhere, and they got on a plane, and then the next day, he calls... Uh, his partner and says, "Oh, by the way, uh, I just abandoned the truck." 
and the partner who's you know the the senior member of the team has to call the office and explain to them why the fuck their 26 foot rented box truck is being impounded in Atlanta <laughs> so she she asks me and my partner to go you know go pick up this truck and uh, do whatever we have to do to make it work and put it in long term parking somewhere send the GPS coordinates in and we'll, they'll give us an address to FedEx the keys back to. So we go to the impound yard, we get the truck, we open the door, and the scent of a fecal matter-dipped hobo who had been living inside of there for three weeks is what came out. Oh. It's, not what actually, it's not what was actually in there, but it's what emanated from within. Yeah, I'm just imagining the dude's car from the Big Lebowski when he goes to pick his up from the the impound lot and worse. Yeah, it's it it. I cannot tell you how bad that smelled, man. And like, I'm more familiar with driving with bigger vehicles, so I was like, okay, I'll drive. And I got in that thing. And it became a toss-up between letting wasps jump, you know, fly into the freaking truck or me having to inhale that stench, even though I tried venting as much air as possible. So, yeah, I I drove it around for a while uh, trying to find some long-term parking and get it fueled up. And it was uh, um, (laughs) – I – I immediately called the office and told them how disgusting I think this individual that was operating this vehicle is. And uh, we left all sorts of notes all over the cab of this vehicle about how disgusting and how much he needs personal hygiene and a great deal of Febreze from now on. And uh, the next day, we go to diagnose something at a store, and we were talking to the manager. And as we're looking at the work, we're kind of wondering why it's kind of half-assed. And uh, my partner says, well, maybe it was the guys from that box truck. And so I look at the manager and I says, did one of these guys smell really bad? And the guy's, the look in his eyes was like relief that somebody understood because he was like, <laughs> yes. Like as soon as he walked in, it was funky and it smelled bad. And I was looking, yelled at my partner, yeah, it was the guys from that box truck. So, yeah. To, I guess, derail us a little further, <laughs> when you said that you're familiar with driving large vehicles, the thing that, the first thing that popped in my head was a certain Christmas party from <laughs> <laughs> Fort Irwin, <laughs> where it was our esteemed co-host Cruz wearing a Santa hat, and he had Austin-powered a deuce and a half, and for the <laughs> uninitiated, that is a large military truck. He was like trying to, uh, to, to, was it where you were parking or pulling out? And I was trying to pull it out, but I had parallel parked it in there earlier. Yes. And when you were trying to get it out, I mean, you had like four inches of bumper between like the front left and the back right. And you just looked at the first sergeant. I don't, because you had been partying like most people at the Christmas party. I don't think I should be doing this right now, first sergeant. <laughs> Was that Cornell? That was still corny. It was a corny, corny Cornell. Oh, Lottie, daughter, everybody, yeah, Cornell. Oh man, man, I had never, 
my years that I was in after that, I was never in such a with with such a group of people with uh, <laughs> Cornell, Bachman, Jones, not Jones, uh, Jackson, Boyer, Boyer. Boyer. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, what was that? Um, I can't remember his, his name. I can picture his face. Uh, I think it was Wilson or Nelson. Uh, uh, was a, he, he was he was Boyer's roommate, big black guy. The you can't stop me from drinking water for surgeon guy, the little shit house lawyer. So. Yeah, man, such a an eclectic group of people. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we had a wild group. Yes, it was pretty quite, cool. Quite a few of them were uh, were were kicked out of the military within the next few years. Oh, yep. Yeah, fucking. Uh, bunch of fucking misfits back then. Yeah. Yeah, that was right before. I mean, it was after 9-11, but it was really before Iraqi freedom had, like, kicked into to full gear. And, yep. Yeah, that was. And shit really got serious, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Shall we slog through the joys of the Halloween? spectacular yeah i'm excited i'm excited to get through this i'm excited for the first one yeah the uh, uh i i read second. oh yeah the second one's a, a a hot piece of shit but uh it's a Steaming flaming pumpkin hot. turd but uh <laughs> i looked at part of the third issue for when we do this next year and i think we're going to be in for a pleasant surprise nice nice Okay, man, it feels like a while since we've covered a fucking an issue on this this podcast, and some of you might think that's weird because of how things we've tried to keep the air order like the airing order in the order we recorded it. A few things have happened where a couple things are going to go on out of order, so you might hear this where it's like, "Oh no, we just heard one like an episode back or some shit, but for us, it's been a while. But I'm yeah. perhaps I'm I'm showing you too much of what's going on behind the curtain here. Don't show them how we make the sausage. Yeah, that's what uh, uh, Red Apron told me when I asked some questions. <laughs> so let's just uh, get into it. This is the spooktacular second issue of Bart Simpson's Treehouse of Horror. This is Bongo Comics Group. This is issue two with a cover price of $2.50. And hey, it's got the Comics Code Authority stamp, so you know it's got to be good. And, uh, Darn shooting. Yes, this was published in 1999. Uh, well, it's a 1996, and I believe this copy that we're looking for was reprinted in, in 1999, but it's got a copyright of 1996. Bongo's Comics Group... Uh, the as you said, we're gonna go right into the first story. But hey, let's look at this cover. I like the cover, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. The cover is great. It's better than the cover of last year's. Uh, yeah, one that we covered. And I I can't believe it's been a year because the the Halloween one was the third uh, issue that we did last year or the third episode that we did and now the fact that we're lapping this i can't believe we've done this for a year it's like we're podcast uh, veterans now we should hold ourselves yeah, to man. a higher standard cheers yeah i let out a, we're veterans hey, does that mean we can get into comic-con now 
that's that's my goal. And I, I talked to the three wise men about that. Our goal to try to hit uh, San Diego Comic Con. But yeah, we got to do better. We got to make this sound more professional. So I'm sorry I let out a big fart when you were telling your story. <laughs> Oh, no problem, man. No problem at all. So, go, big talking about big farts, this issue, the cover, we have Bart Simpson reading the Bart Simpson Treehouse of Horror comic, and he has either Kang or Kodos sneaking up on him, and it's, while that's going on, you see Bart Simpson on the cover of the issue he's reading, reading this issue while he's being snuck up on. So I always love that kind of meta thing where somebody, you see a picture of something and then on that picture you see that and it just keeps going smaller and smaller that's what we have yep it is very meta and uh, I, I like I, that's what I liked about the cover here I mean plus it's got the um, the painted art style which I kind of like a little bit oh agreed and yeah I mean that's really about it I mean it's fairly simple it's a, a tactic that, and technique that's been used time and time again but it, it's, for a bongo comic, I think, it's pretty damn good. I mean, it, it hits all the great points that you need to hit for a Halloween episode. Agreed. They didn't reinvent the wheel with this. They didn't do anything out of the box, but they didn't need to. They went to something, a format that worked, and they did really well with it. Right, right. It feels good to be covering a fucking issue again, right? We haven't done this in a while. I know, I know. We gotta get, we gotta get that rhythm back. Yeah, I feel a little out of practice. <laughs> so, so oh. page one. Yep, we start out. We have a, uh, a Bart Simpson introduction. Welcome, foolish mortals, to another hellacious helping from Bart Simpson's Treehouse of Horror. In our first offering, a sleazy old enemy gets a slimy new look in a tale of murder, mayhem, and mucus that I call Sideshow Blob. Ha-ha! <laughs> right, so uh, credits. This is presented by Moldery Matt Grenig, script by Devilish Paul Dini, layout and inks by Bloody Bill Morrison, pencils by Bubonic, Bubonic Tim Babington, letters by Creaky Jeanine Crowell, and Chris Six Feet Unger. I like Chris Six Feet Unger, that's good. And uh, colors are by Nauseating Nathan Kane. You did a really good job with that. I think some of these were a bit of a tongue twister, and you, you got through it, really. Yeah, you, you got it. I nailed it. I'm, I'm, I practice. <laughs> <laughs> so, on this uh, splash page, this uh, opening page, we see Springfield Maximum Security Prison. Uh, and uh, right in front of the prison, we see Snake. He's tunneled his way out, and we get an all right, do it yourself parole. So, it already it feels like they're trying, they're getting characters, they're using characters better than the, the last year's issue and it feels like they're the person who write it who wrote this is a little bit more familiar with those characters and also oh, we get a yeah. hit two coming from one of the windows on the top floor of the the prison right yeah whoever was writing this issue was a, a lot more familiar with the characters so moving on to page two uh you've got uh, our good buddy sideshow bob being escorted down to the prison infirmary yes what where uh, apparently he's he signed up for some sort of experimental, well, probably lethal treatment in exchange for uh, half of his test sentence reduced or something like that? Correct. Do you see on that uh, second panel what's on the table in that jar? 
Yes, that's the uh, the the little Homer plant from uh, last year's issue. Um, the uh, the little, little house shop of, of Homer. Yeah. Yes, little shop of Homer's indeed. Yes, the Homer too, or what have you. Yes. So I thought that was a nice little callback to <laughs> an issue that nobody cared about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, apparently Bob is ill and. It goes over the basic premises that he's he's basically signed up for this so that he can get a sentence reduced so he can get out and kill Bart earlier. Yep, he's taking this experimental treatment to get out earlier, and you see what he's planning on doing when he gets out? He's going to run over Bart with... It's not a thresher, but it's some sort of uh, heavy yeah, yeah tractor-driven uh, farming device that's going to uh, murder Bart in a horrific way. And you get to see that in his uh, thought balloon, which I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see his, uh, his, his nefarious plan here. Um, and, of course, he states as long as his treatment is done by a competent doctor, he's willing to do it. And uh, that cues, uh, cues Dr. Nick from stage left, I guess. Yep, Dr. Nick Riviera. And I gotta say, I mean, the artwork in this, it's very, I mean, it's its really good. It's, everybody's on model, this looks like you're watching, or it looks like the characters from the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree with you on that front. They are definitely, yeah, they they studied the source material and the characters, and, and they utilized them excellently. Yep, so as soon as uh, Sideshow Bob sees Dr. Nick, he he wants to go back to the hole, and uh, Dr. Nick uh, reminds him he volunteered for this. And he proceeds to uh, give him the treatment, which should uh, dry up all of his mucous membranes and allow them to be absorbed back into the body. And it's fun when you see that he gives Bob the, uh, the injection. He's got a anti-Bart tattoo. It's like the Ghostbuster symbol, but instead of a ghost, it's got Bart in it. Exactly. Which you have to figure if he's going in front of the parole board, having a and like the X'd out picture of a child's face that you want to murder is not going to go over very well. Alright, Well, I mean, maybe he planned on wearing long sleeves for that. Who knows? That would be a good idea. So well, even he, had, the, he has one sleeve down and the other one up, so I would assume he only rolled up that sleeve for the injection. Correct. Um. So he gets the injection, and despite being dubious, he uh, his sniffles start to dry up, his fever's dropping, his uh, nose is clearing, and right before he he diagnoses himself as feeling better, we get a very cartoony moment where his limb, like he starts to distort, and his limbs uh, start to really distort out of a humanoid uh, shape. Yeah, it's like his bones turn to freaking jello. And it's cool when he starts to turn into a blob. The vein work on this is pretty good. You see his veins just bulging out of his uh, amorphous body. Yes, his amorphous mucus body. And uh, this is where Dr. Nick Riviera uh, realizes that he got the formula reversed. So instead of having his body absorb his mucous membranes, he turned Bob in his mucous membranes, absorbed his body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's hoping that uh, 
what did he say? He says, uh, I got it the formula reversed. What do you think about that? And Bob's response is, I think it's time to say bye, Dr. Nick. <laughs> Which, that definitely felt like a treehouse of horror. Because, I mean, that's Dr. Nick's whole thing. Hello, everybody. Hi, Dr. Nick. And so to invert that was, again, it's somebody who's probably read, seen an episode or two and made this one feel a little bit more authentic than the the weird stuff we got last year. Right, yeah. So Sideshow Blob, which I did like that name. Yep. And, uh, and it is ingesting uh, Dr. Nick. It looks like Chief Higgum and uh, the Warden. Yeah, I think this is a generic prison guard. And then, yeah, the warden. Is that a generic prison guard? Yeah, he looks a little bit like Chief Wiggum, but yeah, we'll see Chief, w- Chief Wiggum at the end oh. of the story. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We do see him at the end of the story. Okay, yeah, generic prison guard number one. So now, uh, he's he's gigantic. I mean, he's he's taller than the doors. He's like two stories tall now. He's got a lot of mass. And we see him uh, escaping the prison. We go to the next page here where we see him. He's trying to beat down the uh, prison gate, but then he realizes he doesn't have to because, blorch, he can just squeeze right through the bars, which causes the guards to uh, to start to gag and uh, want to throw up. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, like the, I, I like that second panel on this page where his eyeball is wrapping around the freaking bar. That's, yeah. That's, Disgustingly awesome. Bulging out of his head, yes. Yes, well, we cut to on the, lo- on the lower half of the page to uh, the, the Halloween festivities going on for the day. And uh, Bart, unfortunately, seems to uh, have landed himself in an awkward position here. Yes, he is being beaten up by Jimbo and Kearney, and they are uh, giving him a wedgie and taking his candy. Right when uh, out of nowhere you hear a uh, drop it, and it's uh, Robo Sax. <laughs> it's, it's it's Lisa Simpson dressed as a uh, Zoot Sim swinging her saxophone around, and she manages to save her brother. And that is actually yeah, that is actually a real person. Oh, cool! Yeah, I had to look that up. I always forget that third bully's name. It is uh, Dorf. Dwarf. Dwarf. Yeah, he's got the longer hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's very assertive of Lisa. That's actually pretty out of character for Lisa. I mean, she's assertive, but we don't usually see her physically kind of combat a character like that in the show. Right, but, yeah. That, that was a little out of, out of sorts. But, uh, yeah, she scares him off. Yes, but if we want to see Lisa out of character completely, I can't wait to get to the uh, the next story. Ugh. Yeah, so Barf gets his head. Barf Barf gets his head into Halloween trick or treat pumpkin basket thing. Yeah, and uh, they uh, they run off to soap Principal Skinner's windows. The bullies do. Right, right. and as uh, Lisa's checking in on board to see how he's doing, uh, uh, they get a surprise visitor. Yes, they get Sideshow Blob. And uh, he recognizes Lisa, and so he assumes that the boy with the pumpkin on his head is Bart. And I thought this was quite the brilliant strategy of Bart. Uh, he pretends to be the exchange student Uter, 
and he adopts a fake German accent, and he tells them that, or he tells Sideshow Bob that the bullies ran that way, and that they're wearing his, because Bart for Halloween went as Jason Voorhees, he was wearing a hockey mask, and that the, that naughty Bart be the little hoodlum in the hockey mask. So he, to save his own uh, his ass here, he totally sacrifices uh, Kearney, uh, Jimbo. We see Nelson here, and we don't see Kearney. So it's, or not Kearney, but uh, Dorf. So either Dorf had other plans, or they just forgot that they, about Dorf, and he morphed into Nelson. Uh, I think uh, Dorf managed to get away. I don't know. Yeah, off panel. Maybe. Yeah, they show him on the first panel. On the second panel, it's it's um, Kearney and Nelson, yeah, look and at, they're gone. Yeah, and that first panel, I'm seeing Jimbo, and I'm seeing uh, Kearney. Dorf. Uh, now, uh, where do you see Dorf? Which one's Dorf? Dorf has the longer hair. Um, he's got the uh, green shirt. Jimbo's the one with the hat, and Kearney's the bold one. So, oh. yeah, on that first panel, we see Jimbo wearing the hockey mask. Oh, okay. So, I mean, yeah, I fucking Sideshow Bob should know that the, well, I, I guess he, I'm glad that he doesn't know Bart's body shape enough to realize a kid in a pumpkin was him, because that would be creepy. But he should know that that Jimbo is twice as tall as Bart and looks nothing like Bart. That that's not really Bart in the hockey mask. But so we maybe, see. Maybe he, maybe he had a growth spurt. Okay. But yeah, we see Kearney and Jimbo, but we don't see uh, Dorf. But then Nelson's here all of a sudden. So right. Jimbo takes off the hockey mask and says, you know, I'm not Bart. You've got the wrong guy. Uh, Sideshow Bob apologizes, but uh, murders and absorbs them anyway. Yeah, he kills them all, and he turns around. And Lisa and Bart realize that they're pretty much in deep shit and that they need to go tell the adults. That is, uh, I was amazed by the lack of empathy that Bart has. They literally saw Kearney, Nelson, and Jimbo murdered, and he's the one who made that happen. That was 100% Bart's, uh, Bart tri- uh, tricking Sideshow Bob into doing. And instead of feeling remorse or guilt or horror at seeing them uh, horrifically murdered in front of him, he just says, cool, man, the wedgie just became extinct in Springfield. So no... No empathy for these 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 uh, people who just had their lives snuffed out. No, not at all. I, I'd say I'd say Bart was being a pragmatist in this one. He was being really pragmatic here. <laughs> He's being a sociopath. That too. Um. So they think that, or Bart thinks he should do something responsible, and he should that they should go tell mom and dad. Lisa reminds them that they volunteered to help out at the retirement castle's big Halloween party. And I think this panel is my favorite panel of the issue. We see <laughs> Bart, or not Bart, we see Homer, Marge, and Maggie all sleeping. And we see Grandpa dressed as a devil, and he went bobbing for apples. But really, it's just he's got his dentures on a stick, and they're stuck on an apple out of his mouth. And we get a, my are stuck, word balloon. And we see a sign on the back that says management is not responsible for malady or death caused by refreshments. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that is one of my favorite panels as well. Yeah, um, just his teeth stuck on the uh, caramel apple. So, 
page is page ten now. Yeah, these page uh, nine. I don't see any page numbers on these, so I. Uh, it's the uh, Patty and Selma page. There you go. So. So yeah. So Bart and Lisa run over to tell their their aunts who once was engaged to Sideshow Bob that their former fiance is now a murderous blob and it might be coming for them. Yeah, I was impressed that this issue referenced a few things that had happened from the series. Yeah, that they had this. Uh, not only that Sideshow Bob had tried to kill Bart on a couple occasions, but that, yeah, he was engaged to Selma and tried to blow her up in a hotel. Right, and uh, they tell Selma, and she doesn't believe him. And as you know, Bart and Lisa walk away uh, in a disappointed fashion, uh, apparently uh, Selma's suitor comes calling again. And uh, asks if she uh, wants to greet him with a wet, a big, wet, sloppy kiss. And he presumably murders her. Yes, in a grotesque fashion. So, uh, Bart and Lisa, they run to tell Dr. Frink, Springfield's leading uh, scientist. And the board has, there's a blackboard behind him, and it's got a few things like, I am one, then are you, and just a couple little things like that. But did you see the Flash reference here? Hate to be, I'm not sure. Okay, this is this is real obscure. Hold on. Uh, I guess not. Okay, like I said, this is real obscure. The in the upper right on the chalkboard is three x two nine y z four a, and uh-huh. in the the DC universe, all the speedsters are powered by the speed force. The three x two nine y z four a is a formula that's like a representation of the speed force and it's something that his uh that is that gives a few characters their power golden age hero johnny quick and then his daughter jesse quick they will say that formula and then that's like when they use their like they gain their super speed so <laughs> and i readily readily know this because if because uh, back on the, like the old marvel forums that was my screen name and even to this day, like, I can send you a screenshot of, like, my Marvel Comics login for, like, my like my digital purchases. Like, that is still my screen name to this day. So <laughs> I told my wife that, and we, we joked about how that just made her uh, vagina just shrivel up. <laughs> I And, I mean, I only know this because uh, the... Uh, my the Flash, Wally West, the Flash, uh, the the second Flash is my favorite DC character, and every uh, Flash series from Volume Two until Flashpoint, I read every single issue of, and the Quicks, Jesse and Johnny, are main characters in it, and that's where they really explore the Speed Force. So that's where you multiple issues you get to see that uh, the um, the formula. So that's something that. <laughs> most people wouldn't get, but like I said, that's my, I had to log in as that all the time, so it really stuck out to me. Wow. Okay, that is absolutely obscure, and I wouldn't even bother explaining that to my wife, because yeah, her vagina would shrivel up and just freaking, like, it would be dead. Yeah, I showed my wife that page, and then I showed her, like, my Marvel login, I'm like, this is why I re- realized what it was. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, that is absolutely freaking vagina poison. 
Yeah, I got a couple more Eagle Moss Star Trek ships today, and I was explaining, like, one of them is the, it was the concept art to Star Trek Phase 2, but, you know, Phase 2 was canceled, and they made the motion picture, so the, they made a ship, you know, the Eagle Moss, have you seen those, they're like die-cast ships? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a handful of, of them that I, uh, of just the ships that I think are really cool or really, uh, exciting, and, uh, so... I, uh, for my birthday, this was like a late birthday present. I got the Defiant, which had been on back order forever. And nice. Uh, yeah, I've wanted a physical one of those for like twenty years. And then it's the Phase Two Enterprise, and not to get too out in the weeds, but it's cool because it's totally different from the uh, the Star Trek motion picture Enterprise because it's the exact same as the original series Enterprise, but then it has the swept back nacelles of the Enterprise refit, but then the nacelles themselves look like the refit nacelles, except for they're orange in front, like the nacelles of the uh, the, the pre-refit Enterprise. It, so it's 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 really it, just interesting how different and yet similar it is, because it's like the best of both designs. I don't know. Nice. I would have loved to have seen that on screen. Anyway, <clears throat> we're not talking about the Enterprise. We're talking about Professor Frink here. As soon as he dismisses the uh, Bart and Lisa, they think that this is a hysterical overreaction to a, a Halloween prank. Uh, prank. Uh, Sideshow Bob disagrees with his uh, his uh, theorem here, which I think he means hypothesis, and uh, murders him. Right. And then they go to Reverend Lovejoy, and uh, Lovejoy dismisses them, and then Lovejoy gets brutally murdered by Bob. Basically, all Bert and Lisa are doing is just leading <laughs> beside Joe Bob uh, to to more victims. Oh yeah, the, the albatrosses of death. Yeah, I, I, I like in this lower panel they go to see Krusty. Like Krusty would, Krusty has never come through for them. But yeah, he has them thrown out by a surly looking security guard, and. I don't. I definitely don't think this is who they were meant. The guy was meant meant to, to be. But do you remember the the episode with Michael Jackson where Homer meets him in an insane asylum, and it's just like, oh yeah, yeah. He looks like yeah, Michael Jackson. That one. It looks like him. Yeah. Yeah. I had even pulled up a picture. It's pretty similar. That's fucking funny. And so, since Krusty doesn't believe them, Krusty also gets murdered by Sideshow Bob. Uh, we see the kids and running to the Quickie Mart. Like, who best to help them than Apu, right? Well, Apu's got some skills. He apparently has, like, a PhD in computer uh, engineering, computer science. Right, and, uh, yeah, they run into Quickie Mart, and they, they tell him, and Apu says, oh, yes, I believe you, because it's it got me by the leg. Yeah, I like that we see a, we see a Blinky, the three-eyed fish, being absorbed into Bob on that top panel. Or Blob. Along with the can of Duff Deer. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, Bob, at this point, he's absorbed so much, he's huge. Like, he's engulfing the Quickie Mart. And we see him coming in, like, uh, through the windows. And Bart's trying to throw whatever he can at Bob to see if he can find a weakness. He throws a hot dog, it doesn't work. He throws a duff beer, it doesn't work. He throws a squishy, and it it, it, it hurts Bob. So Right, the, the cold liquid apparently hurt him. 
Yeah, which I thought that was good deductive reasoning of by Bart. Actually, I think it's bad deductive reasoning by Bart because there's many. I mean, is it the sugar content? There's multiple things going on, so he he was pretty quick to jump to conclusions. It was the cold. Right, right, and uh, yeah, they're in a pretty powerless position there with Bob looming over or Blob looming looming over them. And apparently, part Bart. Jeez, can I fucking pronounce it today or what? Uh, apparently Bart has a bright idea and he tells uh, Lee to start playing a rousing selection of Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah, because there's an episode where he's able to distract uh, Bob by uh, asking him to sing the entire uh, score of the HMS Pinafore, which made me laugh that we're talking about Gilbert and Sullivan, Sullivan and the HMS Pinafore because we started the now classic uh, Star Trek Top Ten episode by uh, singing along with Picard, Worf, and Data while they sang uh, part of the score to the HMS Pinafore. <laughs> and if you haven't listened to that episode, audience, I would say that's one of our best. If you're a Star Trek fan, or if you just don't suck, I would suggest you go back and give that a listen. Yeah, I, that was by far one of my favorite episodes to record. So, yeah, um, Lisa pretty much starts going through her repertoire here. We go to the next page. and uh, The the panel where uh, she delves into something that had a chorus and blob experiments and grows several heads so he can sing as a chorus, that was fun. Yeah, that was really thoroughly enjoyable. And just him saying that he's not going to get suckered into singing along and him instantly getting suckered in. That's exactly a Bob move. Right. So while all this is going on, uh, Bart has the brilliant idea of just emptying all the contents of the squishy machine uh, onto Bob, which uh, gives him the chills. Yeah. It's very cartoony. We see him turn blue and he's shivering. It's a, it's a good panel. Right. Now, everything was pretty good up to this point. Because we all know slurping machines do not have reverse. Have you ever worked a slurping machine? No, I haven't. Does it have reverse? I <laughs> know I don't think it does, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no. I mean, but it's it's a cartoon and it's a comic meant a, co- a comic meant for children, and they had only so many uh, so many panels to resolve this. So I I gave it to them. I agree with you. This was stupid, yeah. but. Yeah, Bart throws the slurpy or the the uh, squishy machine in reverse, and it sucks Bob back in or Bob up into it. And that's a, I think that was a fun panel where you just see his head sticking out of the valve. Yes, and then but blam, and everything goes flying everywhere. Yep, and then we see side or side shit. We see Police Chief Wiggum here, and he's directing his uh, his men are cleaning the uh, the quickie mart. And, again, this is another adult who doesn't believe them with what happened. And he just says there's no evidence, and he's scratching his head with his pistol. Yes, Meryl I first. was going to call that out because that was so funny. Where's Dana Loesch to uh, defend his right to do so? <laughs> I also love the, the word balloon in that panel. Whose eye is this? Because, yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. well, they're saying there's no evidence. You just see them. They're scooping up all this, like, sideshow Bob gunk, and he's 
uh, we just see the the cops uh, just talking to one another, like, "Here's another load of that weird flesh color, smelly flesh colored ice cream." Um, yeah, we see some of uh, Bob's gunk fall in the sewer, go through a drain, fall in the sewer, go to the water treatment plant. We see Bob's head in a pipe, and it takes them to, and you see him in Mount Splashmore, and he's laughing maniacally. Yep. And that's it. And that's it. That's it. That's the end of the issue. Keep turning those pages. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> no, we we have another we have another issue. And what I thought was really strange here, it's if you remember Simpsons merchandise from the early nineties, do you remember Bart Simpson always wore a blue shirt on the merchandise? Despite yes. the fact that he has an orange shirt on the show. So last issue, or like the, the the one we covered last year, I believe it was all Bart with a blue shirt, and this first uh, story had Bart with a blue shirt. Inexplicably, mm-hmm. the second story has Bart with an orange shirt, just like he has in the show. Yes, it's I've looked that up. Why Bart would wear in the merchandising blue shirts, and that has never been explained. Yeah, uh, maybe a limited option of colors. The the. I don't want to say because it's not the official explanation, but it's the one that you will you will find most often if you search this on the internet. Is that um, that was a way for people to be able to tell, or for uh, retailers to be able to tell if something was real uh, Simpsons merchandise or knockoff products? Because a knockoff would have the orange shirt from the show, and only official merchandise would have the blue shirt. But again, that is a that is a rumor. That is something that Matt Groening or The Simpsons have never confirmed. But that is the most uh, widely available explanation. Okay, fair enough. So we start again with Bart uh, introducing up above, um, and it's it starts off in the uh, Twilight Zone esque kind of a tone, you know, submitted for your perusal. A melodically macabre composition. First, we take an overly intellectual, underly cool little sister. Next, we add the wretched rhythm of a familiar demonic spirit with a backbeat of a town gripped by the senseless specter of censorship. Sing a song of squeamishness with the Exorcister. I uh, I really liked the the opening there I thought that was really good and I was excited to to read this one and that was the only probably the only thing I liked about the uh about this one right so uh, credits are presented by Maggie Matt Grenig script by Puget Peter Bagge Bag Baggy I don't know anyways pencils Something. by the gangrenous Stephanie Gladden Inks by the blighted Tim Babington, letters by the canker Janine Crowell and the undead Chris Ungar, and colors by the noxious Nathan Kane. Well, you fucked up, Nathan Kane, because you made his shirt uh, orange and not blue. Yes, he did, but he did do it blue on the intro. I'll give him credit there. Yeah. That's Um, about it. I guess one more nice thing to call out, it's I always like McBain, and there's McBain on the TV, and I like that fucking Bart is playing an old school Game Boy. Even though I didn't notice mm-hmm. this the first couple times I read this, Bart looks morbidly obese there, lying on the floor, uh, playing that Game Boy. I mean, he looks like twice his normal size. He looks like Cartman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's looking a little, little, 
know, a little fluffy right there. Yeah, a little rotund. <laughs> um, so we see Marge looking disapproval uh, disapprovingly on the family because uh, nobody knows how to, to really characterize Marge in a, a way with any depth or make her a likable character, and this is no exception. So she's holding Maggie, and we see Homer sleeping on the couch. We see Bart playing his Game Boy, and he's bragging that he just dismembered 27 mutant ninjas in a row. Lisa's I'm listening. Thinking, I'm thinking it's a McBain game he's playing. I agree, because on the TV, McLean, or <laughs> McLean, uh, Mc, the woman who's with McBain says, Oh, Claude, the way you just dismembered those mutant ninjas makes me want to have your children out of wedlock. And he just grunts. And, I mean, that was too on the nose for me. I mean, it was... The episode, I, if the issue had pulled itself out, I would have been absolutely okay with that. But it just... Yeah. It, 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 it's somebody trying to be witty who didn't want to take the time to be witty. Um, <laughs> and then Lisa's singing along with her uh, Walkman. When, when's the last time you've seen a Walkman? Or those old school, like, 80s headphones. But she's singing... Um. Yeah, you gotta make him say yeah. please. Get him on his knees, girls. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love the name of this uh, this rap group she's listening to. Yeah, I, there's only one episode where we of The Simpsons where we see Lisa like w- uh, really get down with contemporary music. Well, there's the Homer Palooza episode, but there's an early one. It's the episode where Bart falls down the well, and she's like dancing along to. Uh, a group on TV, and the group's name was Funky C, Funky Do, which, for whatever reason, has stuck with me and always made me laugh. <laughs> but I was hoping that this was going to be a Funky C, Funky Do album, but it is not. Um, no. um, so, so, go next ahead. Page. Yeah. Next page, uh, yeah, Marge is expressing her dislike of how the family's choosing to entertain itself, and Lisa is uh, asking her if she said something. And also defending her case that this is the latest re- release of an awesome rap group, uh, uh, Oil and Vinegar. <laughs> it's quite a, a '90s play on the Salt and Pepper. Yeah, yeah, it's a parody. It's all about female empowerment, and uh, yeah, like Marge's comment about does female empowerment really have to be carrying a very large switchblade? She has quite the mom line. The my lord, they look like hoodlums. This is a pop group. Yeah, yeah. So this was almost reminiscent of my mind. There's an episode where Bart goes into Shelbyville to like steal their lemon tree back, and he tells Marge that he's going to tutor. And uh, when Marge finds out what he's going to really do, he says, like, Homer, we got to stop him. Marge joined a violence gang, which I, I love when she gets those real awkward, like, mom lines. And this one wasn't as awkward, but it was really reminiscent of that in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Lisa mentions it, that she loves Madonna. Like, that's why Madonna's still my favorite, since she represents a woman's right to do what she wants and to do it on her own terms. And uh, Marge is kind of like doing that parental, oh, now here we go again with the Madonna. Uh. So, I mean, I, I kind of bailed out of The Simpsons. I, I watched probably seasons 10 and part of 11 when everybody knows 8 was the last good one. 
So maybe later on, which I doubt that she talked about Madonna later on, because 2000s on, you weren't talking about Madonna. And maybe, I mean, you're, you've got a couple years on me, so you might remember this stuff a little bit better. But I mean, I, um, you know, I was in my, my teens. I was driving or close to driving when this issue came out. So I, you know, I have a good memory of the 90s. I don't remember Madonna still being like a big thing. Like, an eight-year-old girl would not be obsessed with Madonna in 1996. Oh, she... Madonna did, um... Yeah, in the 90s, she was still a force to be reckoned with. I mean, there was, uh, Vogue and her book, but those are all, like, er, real early 90s. I'm not... Because Madonna's never really gone away. She's always continued to put out, you know, an album here or there. (laughs) Good choice of words. (laughs) But, uh... But, I mean, at this point, I don't think that there were a lot of kids who were still, like, into Madonna. And no, no, no. I think I think the kid phase of being into Madonna was in her eight, the 80s part of her career. Exactly. And by the 90s, she was trying to, you know, she was, like, hanging around with Prince and trying to do more edgy things, I guess you would say. Um, I guess, just to derail us a little bit, um, I have a Madonna comics-related story. Um, when I was in high school, there's this comic shop around, uh, where I grew up, uh, Time Travelers. And to this day, it's like my favorite comic book store. Cause it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty big. And like, I've taken my wife there a few times and she hates it because, you know, most modern comic book stores, they don't have a lot of back issues and they're, right. they're run like, you know, they're clean, they're efficient Time travelers, it's wherever they can throw shit, they're shit. They have huge collections of old figures and old comics. And, I mean, this shit is just thrown on shelves. If they didn't have space, it's in a box next to the shelf. So everything is dusty and dirty. And my wife's very, like, cleanliness-oriented. Uh, so she she gets skeezed out going in there. And, I mean, that's why I like it so much. I mean, it's it's a place where... Like, I talk about those smaller cons I like because it's just a bunch of fat, sweaty people fucking pouring over uh, uh, just just quarter bins or long boxes. That's exactly how Time Travelers is. It's just the – everybody in there, if you go in there, it's like it, most people are real serious, like, collectors. It's – everything there, it's – it's just, it's there for, like, it's, again, it's not there to be presented nicely. It's not a family-oriented place. It's just, this is where, I mean, it's just, throw, shit is just thrown there because there's so much of it. Nobody's taking the time to organize or clean it. And I just, I love that feel to it. But yeah. uh, the guy who, who, who's been there since I was, like, a <laughs> 13 years old going in there, it's the same guy, so I assume he's the owner. And... I've seen him be a douche to a few people. He's he's the he's the sort of comic book owner that I think that comic book guy is kind of based off of. But this was one of the times as a teenager I saw him be pretty cool, and he was. Have you did you go to a lot of comic book stores growing up? Yeah, yeah. This is a guy who he knew that this was his fiefdom. So when he would talk to people, like he would tell stories, and people would fucking listen. Like this is, you know. He was the guy who read every book, so when he told you, like, that character sucks, or you should read this, like, people would listen. Like, this was, this store was his own private fiefdom, and he fucking knew that. 
So when he would be a jerk to a customer or whatever, he could do that because he honestly could give a shit. But anyway, one day he was he was uh, I walked in and he was telling a story. So when I was looking for you know X Factor books or whatever, uh, I was listening in and he told a story about a few years ago. This guy was trying to make some quick money and. He was selling a bunch of his old collectibles and his old comics. And the guy's like, I mean, he didn't really have anything worth a lot. And so I wasn't really interested. But when he was leafing through some of the guys, like old like magazines or something, there was a picture of Madonna. And it was autographed. And it said, like, you know, to the best, like, boyfriend or something I ever had or to the best lover I ever had, like, Fond wishes, and you'll always have a place in my heart. And the guy's like, whoa, what's the story behind this? He's like, I'll give you some money for this. And the guy's like, no, that's not for sale. He's like, you know, I just, I, I have this in here. I forgot to take it out. He's like, this isn't for sale. And because I think, like, the guy said there wasn't a name on it. So it's like whoever had this, you, you could say it was about you. And so he's like, he wanted to pay some real money because he's like, how many of these authentic, like, Madonna, like Madonna autograph pictures like that are there out there? So he's like, no, man, like nothing else you have here is worth money, but I'll give you some serious money for this. This is like a real collectible. And he says the guy looked him in the eye and he's like, I hate my job. My fucking kids hate me and my wife don't respect me. And my wife and I hate each other. My life sucks. And this is the only good thing that's ever happened to me. Or this is like the only good memory I have. He's like, I'm not selling this for anything. And he's like walked out. <laughs> so again, this was a comic book guy telling the story to a store full of like geeky nerds, myself included. So who knows if that story had ever occurred? Who knows if it did, if it was genuine or who knows, like again, if this guy was just full of shit, but it was a cool story for him to impart to us. And now I'm imparting this to our uh, international audience. Wow. Just fun story. Our first Halloween special had the largest crowd size of any any Halloween special to date. Oh, well, hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, we had the biggest audience. We had the best audience. (laughs) And don't bother to check the pictures. But we're not here to talk about uh, uh, crowd sizes. I'm sorry I I got us derailed about Madonna. Um, I was not sure if I was going to tell that story and... Anyway, um, apparently Lisa's obsessed with Madonna. She says that she still retains a sense of style, class, and femininity, which Marge doesn't agree with. She thinks that she has all the style and class of a second-rate Vegas nightclub act. Which isn't that what she is now? I, I do believe so. Mm-hmm. Lisa thinks her mom is being old-fashioned, which, let's be honest, Marge is a bit old-fashioned, but... Just so weird for a mom and daughter to be having a Madonna conversation like this post nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, yeah, it's very peculiar. But I mean, well, it, it wasn't released post ninety eight. It was post. Was it ninety six? Ninety six. So, and she, we get a little bit of uh, what they think is comedy here, saying that. You know, she that Lisa is impressionable more so than Marge and her father, which the TV talks about beer and Homer sits up and he's like, somebody say a beer. I need a beer right now. Shows that he's impulsive. Mm -hmm. And I I was wondering if they were trying to be uh, 
if they're trying to do a little bit of social commentary here, which I don't think they were, where they, at least Bart doesn't worship any questionable role models, right? Because she hasn't said anything about Mar uh, Bart keeping a tally of how many mutant uh, ninjas he's murdered. So pointing out that, because if you remember, like Tipper Gore in the 90s had that huge war against music and lyrics. And yes. that was such a an outrage for a while in our culture. But for the most part, I mean, by the 90s, like this time in the 90s, violent video games no longer had a free pass. But for, and for the most part, violence in American society gets a free pass. But uh, dirty lyrics and music or a video game gets called upon. So I was wondering if they were trying to make a social commentary on that Tipper Gore sort of issue. But I, I think I'm giving them way too much credit. I I can see it. Okay. I can see it. It makes sense. I, I mean, I think that was pretty relevant at the time. Oh, yeah. And if, if anything, Simpsons has always tried to be somewhat topical. The Simpsons, yes. Because the Simpsons writers are all Harvard-educated, like, mathematicians. Uh, this is the Simpsons comic book, which is be, uh, written by nobody who is educated at nowhere. True enough. Um, I found this next page a little bit uh, baffling, and it seemed really out of place. Okay, let's take a look. A Which actually, now that we're talking about how we uh, we think that they were talking about, that if this is a reaction to Tipper Gore's uh, hysteria over lyrics, because we see this next page, uh, Flanders comes over looking for his kids, and then they're in the basement, and they're all cosplaying, like Bart is an executioner with an axe, uh, Rod and Todd are dressed up as one is a wizard and one is a sheep, and they're supposed to be playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons. They don't call it that, but I mean, you can see the dice on the table. It's very clear that they're, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, and anybody who lived through the 80s remembers the Satanic Panic. And how vilified Dungeons and Dragons were or was. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I'm wondering if that's what this issue is. It's supposed to be. I think you're right that this was the whole Madonna thing, and now uh, this to to show that was them lampooning some of the social hysteria of the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so tangent time. Um, have you seen a Netflix show called, I think it's Paradise PD? Um, I've seen the first couple episodes, because it's by the same people who did uh, Brickleberry. So, did you see the episode that had Dungeons and Dragons in it? Not yet. Okay, yeah, you'll get a kick out of that, because it, it totally... It, it totally references the whole D&D scare of, like, the 80s. Yeah, I my my wife refused. She we watched the first two, and she said it was stupid and refused to watch anymore. So I have uh, just hadn't had the time to watch more of it. But we, if you've uh, read, did you watch Brickleberry? No, I didn't watch it. it. It even has some of the same characters, but many of the characters in the show, if they're not directly from Brickleberry, you can tell that they're heavily based off of the equivalent from Brickleberry. I think you'd like Brickleberry. Oh, well, um. So, I I like a, a line here uh, from Flanders. Druids, animal sacrifice, what form of heathen amusement is this? This is worse than sacrilege. Why, this smacks of multiculturalism. 
Yep. Which is ripped from uh, uh, the uh, Republican Party today. Where, I mean, it, how many, in the last two months, how many uh, Republicans have gone out uh, or gone on a rant against multiculturalism or inclusiveness or diversity? Uh, I know. Yeah, that's just common of the times, unfortunately. Yes. Unfortunately. And so why. It's like McCarthyism, at, you know, is basically what it is right now. Fucking. When Donald Trump was elected in 2016, I saw two or three different Republicans reference McCarthyism fondly. Like, this is going to be a return of, like, McCarthyism, of the, oh, I'm having a brain fart, his the, his commission, uh, what the name of his commission was, the... Oh. I don't know, but I mean, if you look at some of the fallout of McCarthyism, which led to basically the... Um, the un-American of American government. Yeah, it was the something of un-American activities. Um, yeah, that I, I've I saw several several Republicans, uh, the House Committee on Un-American Activities, where they were. That's what they were investigating communists with. I saw at least two or three Republicans, and I mean these were not like mainstream Republicans. These are more of the the fringe. Not quite Alex Jones types, but you know, somewhere in between, hoping that we were going to go back to a a similar House of a House Committee on, on American Activities to finally punish these you know people who don't stand for the pledge and shit like that. But I mean, again, these are horrible signs of our times. Mm-hmm. Very unfortunate, unfortunately. So we're recording this, so this will be a October episode. So I don't. Not going to tell you guys how to vote. You probably shouldn't take voting advice from a comic book podcast. If you do, something has gone awry in yeah, your definitely. life. But go, fucking go out and vote. Yes. If you're an American, go out and vote. Um, if you're not an American, I'm not going to take for granted you live in a country where voting is what you do. But fucking take some part in government. I mean, these things are important. Right. Educate yourself. Be aware of the issues. Be aware of who stands for what issues. And please don't freaking... Don't vote because it's your family's party or any of that bullshit. Actually open your eyes and see what these people stand for. Do 10 minutes of research before you go out there. Yes. Yes. Yeah, even something as simple as that. Don't vote for X party because your dad votes for X party. You're an asshole if you do that. Have an opinion. You're, you're most likely an adult. You'll, you're an adult if you're voting. Form your own, uh, your own opinions. Think about what's important to you. Find a candidate that mirrors those uh, those values and go vote. Pretty much. You know, if this Simpsons uh, uh, issue had allowed voting, it definitely wouldn't turn out the way it does. This is a clear example of why voting is important. That yes, was not yes. crowbarred in at all. But uh, <laughs> yeah, somewhere there was a, there there was a head writer that was like, "Let's just do a demonic possession by Madonna freaking issue." And there was no vote to strike him down and prove that this was a horrible fucking idea. And look what happened. (laughs) And I think this is right where the issue starts to go off the rails. Because again, Rod and Todd, they're dressed in some period specific garb. I don't know why one is dressed as a uh, a sheep. It doesn't really fit with like a D&D party, but he's the sacrificial lamb. (laughs) Ha ha ha, we get it. 
But where and then they, we get to what uh, Lisa's dressed as. Lisa says she's dressed as Madonna, which Bart tries to correct her. You're supposed to be the evil sorceress, and they get into a fight. Uh, Flanders takes Rod and Todd to uh, to leave because he uh, he says he feels the devil's presence in the dungeon. I mean basement. <laughs> so here we go this is where we kick the story off into high gear it's the next day the whole it looks like half the town is at the simpsons uh barbecue and oh. we see every we see every member of the simpsons family except for lisa uh ralph wiggum wants to know where lisa is um we get a really i thought this was really lazy writing with ralph Marge says, oh, she, because Ralph asks, where's Lisa today, Mrs. Simpson? She said she's not feeling well. Maybe she'll join us later if she's feeling better. And then Ralph responds with, I have a headlight on my bike. Just saying something random doesn't make it a Ralph Wiggum-ism. It just, again, that felt like lazy writing. Yeah. I think my favorite uh, Ralph Wiggum line is when he calls Super uh, Superintendent Chalmers Super Nintendo Chalmers. <laughs> but anyway so it uh it goes on to highlighting a conversation between reverend lovejoy and ned flanders you know bitching and moaning about the state of kids today and how technology's ruining everything blah 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 and fucking pop stars and all you know the shit your parents say to you when you're like fucking a teenager yeah we do learn that uh, Reverend Lovejoy, he's formed a, uh, an organization, Families for Tamer Television, in an attempt to clean up the airwaves. And we learn that they basically, they write to advertisers to boycott shows. They're like the Million Moms March. Ugh. Them again. Yeah, they, they suck some ass. Well, yeah, you're pretty sure they were more like, like you know, Thousand Mom March or something, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, if you look at their Twitter or their Facebook, I mean, there's only, like, you know, I, I think at most on one is like 100,000. So you're not a million, let's let's, let's be honest. But, um, yeah, like 700 Club doesn't have 700 people in it, right? <laughs> ah, the toilet went off behind me. Creepy. <laughs> It wants us to get on with the issue. <laughs> Spooky so. and random toilet gurgling behind me. Ooh. Um. Well, right when that goes off, well, right when that's happening, right when your toilet was going off, the sprinkler in the Simpsons lawn goes off inexplicably. We get a splorch, and we get a drunk Homer Simpson um, confronting Reverend Lovejoy. He's mad that uh, he well he disagrees with Reverend Lovejoy's assessment of how bad tv is he tells them he gets 50 chan 57 channels uh and soon he'll be getting 57 more who could ask more uh, for more than that uh and then he you, you see him he's he's heartbroken and he tells reverend lovejoy he's heartbroken that reverend lovejoy and this doesn't make any sense they boycotted uh, uh an advertiser for comer's favorite show and they only had one advertiser so the show went off the air I've never seen a show that only had one advertiser or, uh, since 1950. But uh, his favorite show was Hot Tub Action Cops. So both uh, Chief Wiggum and, and Homer are, are uh, 
heartbroken that that show was canceled. Yeah, understandably so. And uh, you know, I think only one advertisement. It was yeah, it was lazy writing to try and get a point across. I think. Yes. Unfortunately, but yeah, that I mean. Frankly, I, I think this is way more exposition than it was needed to kind of get what, what the tone of the story was supposed to be about across. I mean, this entire page feels like filler crap. Yes, I agreed. But we finally get to, we see Lisa's up and she looks weird and sick. And when she starts talking, we know she's singing because we get some uh, musical notes. And she points at pa, uh, Homer, and she's like, Papa, don't preach. I've been losing sleep. And <laughs> Homer doesn't get that she's singing. I'm keeping my baby. And he doesn't understand that she's singing and wants to know why she has a baby. I mean, again, this is this was really bad writing. So right. Marge well, is trying to get it's, her... It's a Madonna song. She's singing a Madonna lyrics. Yes, she's singing Madonna Singing Madonna looks. I don't want to fucking expose you to that horribleness. So yeah, she's singing Madonna. Marge is trying to get her back in the house, and she thinks she's got to take uh, Lisa to the doctor. We see she takes the next page. She takes Lisa to the doctor, and now she's dressed as uh, Madonna. And we see throughout this entire page, or throughout the entire doctor visit, she's voguing. Which, <laughs> if you kids don't know what voguing is, just just look it up. Or better yet, just don't. don't. That's better left of the past. Yes. Like the dab. Like the dab. Is the dab in the past? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, apparently uh, trends move so fast now that they barely even last a year. Like, if I if I have anything that involves dabbing my 11-year-olds, which are pre-teenagers, I guess, now... Uh, tell me that that is so six months ago, and they've moved past that. The dab is no longer relevant nor popular. Well, that's good. So, yeah. So, you know, now i got to catch up with what the new thing is. By the time I learn it, it'll be outdated. That's the role of being a parent, I guess. Tell me about it. I, I have to say Dr. Hibbert's reaction was a little bit funny. Because Marge doesn't know what the Vogue was, and Dr. Hibbert, or Voguing was. And I like Dr. Hibbert's like, oh, this is a phenomenon simply known as Voguing. A symptom that was very much in Vogue a few years ago. I'm surprised to see it still around. Um, thankfully, no. She want, Marge wants to know if it's contagious. Thankfully, no. She should get over it in a few days. Lord knows everybody else has. So I like that they're at least referencing that this... Uh, that, Madonna is not really relevant anymore, or at least the Vogue wasn't. And in the background, I have Vogue going for our younger listeners who have no idea what this is. Oh, jeez. The the video is on my phone, too, and this is the most pretentious thing I've ever seen. Oh, yes. Well, Madonna was definitely pretentious. She was fucking very, very... I'll give it, she was very ahead of her time back in the day, but she was also very full of herself, and her showmanship tended to be more on the... Pointy raw? Less on the substance side of things. Yes. 
Wait, for, for you younger kids, Madonna's who Lady, Lady Gaga was trying to be. Bingo. <laughs> Minus the meat dress. Yeah, I, I'd say Lady Gaga was edgier. Um, so since Dr. Hibbert doesn't see a big problem here, uh, Marge takes Lisa to Dr. Marvin Monroe's therapy to go. Fun fact, if this was published in 1996, Dr. Marvin Monroe was already dead. Which I guess would be perfect for a spooky Halloween special. Um, <laughs> I like this. He tries to diagnose her with Alzheimer's and then with attention deficit disorder. And he's like, that's it. Good old ADD brought on by complications associated with menopause. I I don't like that they're we're trying to make all that, that psychology here that's we're just pulling stuff out of a book and not just, oh, if I can't find anything, it's ADD. But that was definitely the, where autism is all the rage now, ADD was the, the, the overdiagnosed, yeah, 90s. Yeah, in the 90s. Like, the ADD was the autism of the 90s. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's good that when these things become more, understood and more well-known but yeah i mean you would get some more of the less scrupulous mental health practitioners who would just throw that diagnosis around too often so i mean i get that but it's where people act like it's a made-up thing or any like you drug kids and that's not what you need to do i mean it's do some research before I, that always irritates me with the when, when people have that attitude I think that there is some truth to some kit. It, it is overdiagnosed or overmedicated, but that's the exception and not the rule, like most things. But I'm, I just got to stop derailing us. We just we have a few pages left. <laughs> we should just get over this. <laughs> and that is, but there you go, kids. For you, our younger listeners, that was uh, that was Madonna. She was voguing. Yes, she was. Let's leave that back in the '90s, shall we? Oh, please do. So. This next uh, this next page, we go to a meeting of the FFTT, the Reverend Lovejoy's group, and we see that they've attacked Krusty by going after his advertisers. I think it's very weird that everybody in the foreground here in the audience, they're all blue. Right. Because uh, they're in a shade, maybe? Maybe. It definitely, it doesn't feel like they forgot to color them. It seems like a very deliberate choice. I'm wondering if this is maybe something that they're referencing and I just don't know what it is. Right. Because it seems very deliberate. So what they're apparently going after Krusty the Clown for is that he uses seltzer bottles on the show and that they're taking that as him advocating the misuse of school fire extinguishers and that he would saying he would never do that. So he's cleared that up and he wants them to back off and he calls them a bunch of uptight, no good... No, no fun goody two shoes, which I agree with. Right. I'm wondering because I'm wondering if this is supposed to be a reference somewhere uh, to The Exorcist here for when maybe the uh, the the family first uh, meets with the the Exorcist. I don't know. I'd have to to rewatch that. 
I don't believe so, but I could be wrong. It's just you, like the way that Marge is sitting there up front, and again, it's bl- like she's blue. And in the next panel, how she's like taking off this disguise. And all these choices seem very deliberate. So, if and again, I'm going to outsource this to our audience. If you know what this is referencing, and if you're if you're punching your uh, your phone right now and calling us idiots because we don't know, Comic Book Dungeon Podcast at Gmail dot com. Let us know. Right. Yes. Please do that because I'm not really sure. So Marge is desperate for help. She asks Reverend Lovejoy to intervene based off of his talk at the barbecue, and he's trying to distance himself from that. Um, so she says, well, I see, maybe I should have gone to a Catholic priest, and I love this. He's like, whoa, 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 Mrs. Simpson, let's not be hasty. It's true that my denomination doesn't believe in exorcism, but who knows, this may turn out to be a great revenue source for the church, so he's all in. Perfectly understandable. <laughs> the Simpsons has always been pretty subversive with uh, a lot of its uh, with uh, with an, uh, some of its, with some anti church messages, but they've been really like they're low key about it. It wasn't enough that in the nineties would like necessarily people were aware of that how subversive it was being. So I think they were very low key about it. But that stuff is definitely there if you go back to older seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And this next site or page where uh, that top panel where Reverend Lovejoy goes to the house and you see him outside with his exorcism bag, that is absolutely a reference to the exorcism. Yes, that is 100% a reference to the original exorcist movie. I, I love that he's got an exorcism utility belt. <laughs> oh. I love that they identify it. Yes. He's got a Bible on one side and a bottle of holy water on the other. Um, as he goes in to confront Lisa, I love that Homer is the, yeah, you're here not a, a moment too soon, I can't hear the TV. So there's a few good character moments in this where I thought, as much as I didn't like this... Yeah, but they're like all within the last two pages, man. I agree with that. Because I, I love when he goes upstairs to confront Lisa, there's a sign on the door that says, must have a VIP pass to enter backstage. And so he's like, what? No one said anything about a, oh, and he realizes that he's been suckered, and he just kicks the door open. That was very cartoony. It was very stupid, but it got a laugh out of me. Yeah, same. So he opens the door, and he says, good lord. Um, so there's some Madonna lyrics um, uh, written on the wall. She's full-on Madonna mode. She's got the pointy bra on. And yeah, she is pointy bra era Madonna, so what was that? Was that like mid-90s or early 90s? That was early 90s. That was Vogue uh, Madonna. And it looks like she's got a couple of her happy tree elves, but they're looking all evil, and they're supposed to be her entourage. Mm-hmm. And, along with her Malibu Stacy. Yeah, along with her Malibu Stacy. She gets up, and her head is twisted all the way around exorcism style. And he asks how she can do that, and it's because she used her shoulder blades to keep her uh, pointy bra on. Um, I could have done without that for an eight-year-old character. That got a little weird for me. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> he, tries to, he tries to exercise her, which is great. The power of cod is within you. The power of cod. No, I mean, and she yells, I'm a vegetarian. And this one feels like it wraps up pretty quick, like the uh, last one did. Yeah. He shows her a newspaper article, and she says, what's that? 
It's a review of body of evidence which compares your acting ability to that of a comatose llama, but gone spawn of MTV, and that's what forces the spirit of uh, Madonna out of her. Which I was confused by how he, she could be possessed by Madonna, who's alive. And Reverend Lovejoy had referenced that earlier on in the issue, so I, I did enjoy that. So, there's Madonna who pops out of her. Do you know who these other two ghosts are supposed to be? Dennis Rodman, and I don't know who the other one is. Okay, I, I knew he looked familiar, and um, I couldn't place, but I just couldn't place it. I think you're absolutely right. And I I could I, I could be wrong. I think that other, that other person is either supposed to be uh, Sandra Bernhardt or... Uh, What's her name? Uh, Courtney Love. I'm not sure. I'd say more Sandra Bernhardt. I'm getting a Sandra Bernhardt vibe. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, we see Lisa's back to normal. She's dressed normally again. And she says, oh, why do I suddenly feel the urge to buy an Amy Grant album? So I was reading this next to my wife, and I had to ask her who Amy Grant was, because I knew the name, and she started singing a song. So that was a had to consult with the comic book wife. Who who is Amy Grant? Oh, that's a good question. Here I will. Uh, there's only one song because when my wife sang it, I knew exactly. I'd heard the song before. I don't know if she's, I think this, she might be a one hit wonder, but here's that song. God, it's ad centric whenever we're on the air. This is the most 90s video I've ever seen. Okay, that's enough of that, but that is, uh, that's Amy Grant. Yeah, enough. (laughs) It was enough five seconds ago. So Reverend Lovejoy, he's dusting off his jacket, and when he's leaving, Homer asks, Hey, where'd that Madonna ghost thingy go go to anyway? Marge says, beats me. And we see that uh, that Reverend Lovejoy is wearing the pointy bra, and he's singing, Like a virgin, dum-dum-da-deedly-doo-dee, or whatnot. And did you, I'm not sure if you noticed when he pulled up to the house, and they're having that exorcism shot, She's singing, like, coming up from that upstairs window, she's singing like a virgin, but it's backward. Yeah, I noticed that. That was, that, that was a clever touch. So, I, I agree with you. This one was terrible, but the last couple uh, pages were, were good. Yeah, I just I just wish they didn't put so much useless shit in between, like, the beginning and the end of the story. I know they probably had a page count to fill, but they could have done so much of a better job. Agreed. And our final page, it's a fake Mars Attacks trading card. It's got Bart sling- hitting Kodos or Kang with a slingshot while he's shooting a beam at Santa's little helper. Right, so, and it's poaching a pooch. Yes, poaching a pooch. <laughs> so that's it, everybody. Happy uh, Halloween. Yes, everybody. happy Halloween. This is our Spooktacular 2018 Wow, this is definitely like a a, a a milestone for our 
our first year and going into our second of doing this. I think we got some big things coming up over the uh, uh, over this next year. We're soon. I know it's been a while since we recorded a Kill Raven episode. We're gonna finish in an e- a few episodes here uh, the Kill Raven run, and we're switching to Marvel's Godzilla and Marvel's Star Trek: The Motion Picture comics, which I am so looking forward to. Yep. When you are on the Microsoft OneDrive, you'll see that I've had for six months are the Star Trek comics up there. I'm excited. I'm pulling some of those out of my long box. Oh, talking about Kill Raven, I'm going to blow your mind here, and I'm taking credit for this. Like ISIS, I'm taking credit for this. Um, Marvel last week on Marvel Unlimited dropped the entire run of Kill Raven. It's finally up and available now in a, in a digital format. No way! Yes! So who else is talking about Kill Raven but the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast? So I'm taking credit for that shit. Alright, do it, do it. Um, in November, I'm going to the Grand Rapids Comic Con, which last year was the first con that I ever attended as a... I didn't have a press pass, but I went there as a podcaster. So I'm, uh, I can't wait to go back now as a seasoned podcasting con veteran. And, um... I got some good advice from the three wise men when they were in studio last week, and I, I think I might bring... I've always bring some of my recording stuff, but I think I'm just going to do some Hunter S. Thompson, some uh, gonzo interviewing. So who knows? It's going to get a little crazy. So if you're a fan of the show, which I know most of you are, uh, you guys can see me in November at the uh, Grand Rapids Comic Con, where uh, Walter Koenig... TV's checkoff will be in attendance. Nice. Fuck yeah. That's going to be cool. Yeah, we were covering some great issues. I have some ideas uh, uh, for some one-off issues that we might want to explore throughout the year. I don't know. I think good things are coming. We're finally back into a regular release schedule. We're burning through all the episodes that had kind of stacked up when we weren't. Uh, uh, releasing them regularly and i gotta check when the san diego comic-con press patches passes drop because you have to have a year of time in and we didn't hit that last year so i think it's a long shot but we might be able to get some press passes for san diego all right well uh let's see what we can do with that and uh i've got a lot of extra freaking uh saved hotel from time I get a, all, all this travel I'm doing, I'm booking on my hotels.com account, so I get a whole bunch of extra nights for free. Nice. So we can make something happen. I just think it would be nice for us to meet up in San Diego again. We can uh, ride some scooters. Yes. I still got yeah. some money on, on and, one of those apps. And look for uh, Vape Washington again. <laughs> I'd forgotten about Vape Washington. <laughs> Vape Washington was awesome. That was a good time. Oh yeah, do another escape room. Yeah, that that Harry Potter escape room. You know, I'm not a, as big of a Harry Potter fan as my wife or your wife, but I think that was the most fun escape room I've ever done. Yeah, that was that was totally cool. We, I, I think we really had a good time with it. It'd be it'll be nice to play to to, to try and solve an escape room with people that actually um, get it. Yeah, we we did the shittiest escape room like a, a few months ago. It was with my wife's family, 
And you know, there it it I would love to be able to blame it on the group we were with, but it it was just the escape room was terrible. And I I'm blaming it on the group I was with when I did it with my wife's family. It was fucking horrible. Yeah. There were so many clues everywhere. And, and, like, the hard thing is when you try to delegate it out and you have people that just don't get it. I, I understand the kids not getting it. Um, but when when they're 18-plus and they're just too busy playing around on their phones to freaking participate, go fuck yourselves. Yeah, I agree. Go. That, that, that's, it's, that's unanimous. The, the comic book dungeon, we both agree that if you're on your, at an escape room and you're playing with a, uh, your phone, go fuck yourself. Yes, absolutely. We've reached a consensus. Yeah, I just, I can't believe we've been doing this shit a year. I know, man. It's, it's wild. Think about it. Yeah, I, I feel we've we've gotten a little bit more professional with this. I think the audio sounds a little bit better. I remember the first episode was <laughs> I had no idea how to edit, uh, so I feel that these are a little bit better, uh, easier to listen to. Uh, I think we're bringing a little bit more to the table. Yeah, I think we're uh, we're we're kicking some ass and taking some names. Yeah, we're getting a good flow. You know, I mean. I think we still stutter step a little bit here and there, but I mean, we really haven't recorded for a minute, um, an actual issue. And I think that might be it. I mean, if we get back into a regular rhythm of doing issues, I think we'll, we'll smooth it out real quick. Um, I think the, uh, the Star Trek episode, man, I think we were fucking firing on all cylinders on that one. Yep. That one's almost, uh, ready to go up. That's going to go up here in the, the next week. Uh, the three wise men I'm going to drop tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, a week after that, the Star Trek one's going up. So yeah, we still were. Then I have a couple of how we recorded the old way Kill Ravens to release. So I'm not looking forward to editing those. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean this this new system it's takes makes the editing time it's it's twice as fast. So. Nice. So yeah, and we're looking forward to some more uh, listener feedback. We've got again, I like for the Star Trek episode, we had ac- people write in or not write in, but contact us and let us know their favorite Star Trek episodes. Because uh, I'm not a psychic, but I think in uh, at some point here in the future, we're going to do a top ten of our original series favorites. Oh, okay. You gotta give me ample warning because I will probably rewatch the entire original series. Oh shit! Yes, as a matter, a matter of fact, as soon as I wrap up Flash, I might just start on that. I have a. I I have been watching a lot more of season three, and it's season three is so fun because it's so bad. <laughs> so. Nice. I, I might actually choose like a couple episodes like Spock's brain just because they're just so bad, they're just, but they're so fun. Well, yeah, so someone you have to because they're so bad that they're good. Yeah, I, I love the original series. I mean, how, why else do you explain things like Sharknado? <laughs> I mean, no matter. Okay, I saw this meme and I thought it was fucking great, and, and the meme basically says, no matter how bad of an idea you think you had. Somebody thought making a movie about a tornado full of sharks was sellable. I mean, how many sequels are there now? Like four, five? I don't know. Did you know that Trump was supposed to play the president in one of them? Before he became president? Ugh. 
Did you see? There were Photoshop pictures going around from like the last few hurricanes of like sharks swimming like in in flood flooded highways. You saw a lot of like right wing conspiracy sites like floating those around, and then there's oh. the there was the Photoshop Trump like helping people like it from a raft that Trump supporters were were throwing around this this last hurricane. Oh jeez, yeah, like that's gonna happen. Yeah, oh. I highly doubt it. Yes. Agreed. That guy's no interest in supporting anybody except himself. So, I'm sure by the time you guys listen to this episode, Kavanaugh has already been confirmed. Ugh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Shitty times, man. Shitty times. Well, when times are shitty, they can theoretically only get better. That's why you gotta keep turning the pages. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Keep turning those pages. Uh, before we sign off, I want to remind everybody, comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com to contact us. Leave us a five-star review, or my little brother will go insane. Um, you can contact me at BrokenLMD, Bravo Lima Delta, uh, on Twitter. And I keep hearing buzz about our kick-ass uh, um, Instagram page. Yeah, Conflict Dungeon Podcast on Instagram, which I need to spend a little more time with and kind of update that a little bit more. Yeah, I had read an article a couple days ago that said it's like it was all the best sites that you need to hit if you're on Instagram or new to Instagram, and ours was a uh, 14th on the list. So all you guys, <laughs> you uh, you can't find that article anymore. I believe that the it was. So heavily trafficked, the site is down, so don't bother to search for it. Just take my word for it. But it happened. Don't tell me it didn't happen. I saw it happen. Okay, I believe you. I 100% believe (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, again, we need those reviews. A a podcast is like a vampire, and five-star reviews are like blood, fresh blood. So we're going to need those uh, those reviews. And, again, uh... Just like uh, the people who reached out on the Star Trek episode, if you guys re- uh, reach out to us to answer some of our listener questions that we've put out, uh, or to just tell us what you're reading, we will interact with you guys on the air. That is a that is a promise. Yep. Trust me, we will. Because why the hell not? So that being said, keep turning those pages. And this is Mark uh, asking you guys, hey, where did that Madonna ghost thingy go to anyway? Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. It was a graveyard smash. Did you know that this song spawned a bunch of copycat, like, monster dancing songs? Oh, really? Yeah. I, uh, I gotta be honest, uh, since we started doing these not in post and started doing these live so I could fade them in and out easier, I've chosen longer or shorter songs. I don't really have a game plan for this one or how long we're just going to sit here and uh, talk or not talk over it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, what are we just talking about how professional we've gotten? No, we've definitely been professional. 
Yeah, well, this is part of the outro, which is, you know, shows how professional we are. Yeah. I, I cannot wait to upload the Star Trek uh, uh, episode because the stinger, like the post-episode stinger, that uh, uh, I had that picked out before we even did the episode, and I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I can't talk about it here. It's very hush-hush, people. You're going to have to listen to the episode, but I will give you a clue. It involves Patrick Stewart's Saturday Night Live uh, appearance after Star Trek Generations. Did you see he tweeted out a, a Sir Patrick Stewart tweeted out a picture of like them like him like with like the the like the showrunner or the writers on this new Picard show? Yes, I saw that. I thought that was awesome. Did you also see that thanks to Star Trek Discovery, it is now canon that Cleons have two penises? What? Yes! Cleons have two penises. This is now this is now canon in the Star Trek universe. Thanks, Discovery. Star Trek uh, canon is a it's a weird thing because the the rule has always been if it was on screen, it's canon. But then, if that's the case, have you ever seen any episodes of Star Trek the 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 cartoon, the animated series? I haven't. It is in my Netflix queue. Watch though. Like, there's an episode where they make a giant Spock clone who's like 50 feet tall, and they just leave him alive, like on the planet. So they've. Later series, like Deep Space Nine and Next Gen and Voyager, they do little nods to stuff that happened in the animated series. So, I mean, the official line has always been, we're not going to say that that stuff is canon, but you have things that in the later series is that are slight references to them. So are you telling me that there's a planet where quite possibly there's still a Spock clone still alive who's 50 feet tall? <laughs> Oh, that's awesome.